Hi, welcome back to episode three now of Newly Meds Podcast. I'm Quinn. And I'm Heather. This was a big month for us. We had some birthdays this month. Yeah. Right? Quinn turned 26 on the 7th of September, and I turned 25 last week uh, on the 28th. So we have officially survived our 20s, our, our, 20s, our, early, our 20s. early 20s, yeah. let me be clear. There's still five, four more years left for us. Yeah, let's 20s. not get ahead of ourselves. But um, we were just thinking like your early 20s are so hard and there's so many transitions and I feel like nobody talks about it and it's just really overhyped and over glamorized. Um, so we wanted to share our experience in our early 20s, graduating school, starting school again, starting work, income, paying bills. And I feel like social media paints your early 20s, you know, you see influencers that like have it all figured out. I literally hate that. And uh, everyone, everyone, when people don't have it figured out, they think like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, I'm seeing all these people online that have it figured out. So we, we didn't have it figured out. We still are working to get there. I feel like people, I would get that DM DM a lot uh, because I started my Instagram, my Instagram naturally, Heather, in nursing school, in college. um, And it grew a little bit. And I would always, like, I was pretty career focused and I knew what I wanted to do. I was very confident. If you listen to our last episode, I spoke about how I wanted to go to medical school and I was very vocal about that on my Instagram, which was about, is about like nursing and lifestyle, which in recent times I've kind of stepped back from posting a lot on just for many reasons. But a lot of people would DM me saying, oh, like you have it so together, you know, you're so young, like how are you so driven and directed and like what you're passionate about? And I think that it was just, maybe I portrayed that, but it didn't feel like I had it all together to me. So I just think from an influencer, I guess, quote unquote influencer, I don't know. um, You can call yourself an influencer. I don't know, like a micro influencer. Anyways, from my perspective it's not we you know we don't have it all together people just don't show the breakdowns they 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 put it all together behind the scenes and then they go on social media and post it put together how confident was i when i was posting about my medical school applying to medical school journey and then behind the scenes was like crying and breaking down and like questioning and doubting and redirection and like so many difficult challenges that I really put on you and I shared with you through those times but the Instagram facing was all like oh I'm taking this and I'm doing this and I'm moving forward in this and it was all positive stuff yeah well part part of that is you you wanted to be positive you wanted to believe in yourself I did and that was your way of like vocalizing kind of like saying out loud like I can do this you know, which I think yeah. a lot of people do on social media, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to post the hard and stuff. And you're trying to be an inspiration for other people too. So yeah. it's like, you don't want to be discouraging, but you want to share the truth and the struggle, but you don't right. want to like be hating and you know, you have privilege and that's mixed in there and you know, people are going to call you out if you complain. Yeah. So it, it's, it's increasingly challenging now, especially. So that's um, why we being, have this podcast in this longer format yeah. where we can talk about all the details, right. you know, how difficult it is and sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. So today all about yeah. transitions. I think we really want to focus on the transition from undergrad and into postgrad because I think that's where most people feel their peak lostness, if that's even a word, I don't know. Um, I just, I can recall those feelings uh, so easily, like just graduating college and being like, okay, now what? Um, Even though I had a degree that enabled me to get a job, it was still murky waters, I would say. And, you know, we had some challenges in our relationship at that time too, and some turning point decisions that we were making. Right. Um, and you were on the cusp of so much change that I think it was like almost like overwhelming because you were like in the summer from undergrad to starting medical school, you were like on the cusp of so much, but like doing nothing. And it was like really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were like, I have, I'm so talented. I could be working and making money, but I'm now I'm just like 
waiting until I start that. Right. And then it's going to be like all the shit's going to hit the fan again with like stress and right. tests and studying and like, how do you get back into the groove? So yeah, I think I want to start with um, Quinn telling us what it was like for him to go from undergrad straight to grad school because that's not a thing. Let's do some highs do. and lows. Oh yeah. Before Shoot. we before we start. Forget I said any of that. Yeah, Maybe let's we'll do some highs and that. lows. What was your high? What was your high for the week? What was what was your oh. favorite part of the week? Well, it was my birthday on Wednesday, uh-huh. and obviously you know that you planned like a great birthday for me. It made me feel so special. And it was just like really nice to feel like because when you, we're, we're in a different city than our a lot of our friends and family. So it's hard to feel like loved and celebrated at a distance. But it was really nice to like get texts from people and phone yeah. calls and gifts. And it was just it was sweet to just be like, oh, people are thinking about me. And like, I'm so fortunate right. to have that. And like, I'm so fortunate to have people in my corner that think about me and, you know, reach out to me on my birthday. Yeah. So that was my high. And then my low was that. This week we've, I mean, like I've done quite a bit of drinking this week. Um, yeah, went to dinner. And, but like not over drinking, but I'm just starting to realize, and this has become more evident, like more clear, is that I just don't have tolerance for alcohol yeah. anymore. And even like one, two drinks is just not worth my next day, my sleep. Um, now that I have the aura ring, which tracks your sleep, the difference between my sleep on a normal night versus after drinking is just astronomical. Yeah, kind of calls you out on it. It does, like my recovery is just absolute shit. So I just, it's like not worth it to me anymore. So I'm trying to think of some alternatives, like non-alcoholic beverages that are like adaptogenic and have like L-theanine and GABA and ashwagandha and some different things in it that like make you feel social and calm, but aren't alcoholic. Yeah. So we'll see. I It kind of scares me to think of like cutting out alcohol completely. Yeah. Um, but I just, it's not worth it anymore. Yeah. You know? We're, we're figuring it out. Yeah. So that was kind of a low to be like, the realization is hitting me. Like, yeah. oh shoot, like maybe I just need to stop. This doesn't make drinking. me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Which is sad. Like, I don't know. Because I've had good times drinking, obviously, but it's never worth it. Yeah. So to speak. Anyways, how about you? All right. Highs um, and lows. My high uh, is also related to your birthday because I had a lot of different (laughs) things planned and I'm glad it all worked out because the weather, uh, you know, as a lot of you know, a a horrible hurricane blew through Florida. Yeah. Oh, wait, I changed my low. Low is hearing about Florida. Sorry. I didn't mean to be insensitive to that, but like looking at Florida completely underwater or like Fort Myers, Southwest, Annabelle. It is absolutely tragic, and yeah. I just my heart just like really sinks. It's really scary to see that recovery, like yeah. the, that process. So that obviously is way more pressing than alcohol thing. But yeah. go ahead, continue. Well, just you know, and we were kind of hit with like some offshoots of it. So there's tons of rain and wind, and it you know everything got all weird. Um, but anyway, what I was trying to say was my plans for your birthday worked out. I'm very happy about that. Um, <laughs> The world low, absolutely the hurricane, you know, it just, that hits a little too close to home. That's really scary. Yeah. Um, Personal lows, uh, I spilled water all over my electronics one day and then also like cut my finger later in the day and then I just dropped it. Like I've been just like a lot of like clumsy stuff (laughs) that's that's been frustrating for me. Um, So yeah, I'd say that's my low. Cut your finger, that's low. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm working from home. Nothing exciting really happens from home, so okay. you know, I I gotta gotta be something. So, all right, so that's highs and lows. So, okay, let's go back to our topic. Rewind. Rewind. Now rewind. <laughs> I'm gonna ask the question? same thing. Tell us about graduating undergrad and going straight into grad school. Like yeah. what that was like mentally, yeah. physically, financially, all that stuff. It's it's so interesting because. There's so many different ways that people do it when they go into medical school. Like in my specific circumstance, I went straight through undergrad and started medical school like the, the year after I graduated. Some people do gap years and apply later. Some people have entire careers and like start a family and realize at some point, oh, I want to go back to I want to go to med school and they come back to it. Um, so for me, you know, it was very weird to 
anytime you get to a senior year, you just get so lazy. You're just like so tired of, of studying and tests and all this stuff. And you get senioritis and you, you know, things start to wind down. So, you know, you have that experience at the end of senior year, you graduate, the summer comes, there's nothing to really do over summer. So you just kind of like sit around with this like impending life changing event kind of off in the distance. And, um, and then once you start med school, like you hit the ground running, it's like back to studying hardcore as hard as possible exams every two weeks for us, you know? So it was definitely a big shock to have school wind down mm-hmm. and then pick back up very, very quickly. And you were, you really stacked your schedule senior year. So you did like absolutely nothing. Like I remember that, yes. like after the MCAT, after uh, medical school, um, what's it called interviews yeah. and all that stuff were done you were just chilling I yeah know you took like easy classes and stuff yeah i front loaded a bunch of stuff and i like i think my last semester i took whatever the the minimum was like eight yeah. credits or something i was i was doing nothing yeah um because i'd already taken all the hard stuff so i kind of went from I, a lot of people in med school say the best time period of medical school is after you got in where you get to tell everyone that you got in but it hasn't started yet (laughs) you know so it's like you get to be like yes i like accomplished this thing but the really hard part of it hasn't started yet so it's it was a really weird you know time period and i tried to make the most of it um you and i relaxed a lot i worked a little bit you worked a little bit um and then once you start you know especially going to medical school in a new city you're just like thrust in the middle of nowhere and it's like who are, where where am i like how are we going to get around we moved into our apartment which was like 300 square feet extremely small in the middle of this brand new city all these noises all these sounds all these smells all these sights and school is starting at the same time and it's really, it's really overwhelming, to be honest. Yeah. Um, transitions are hard, and that was a lot of transitions yeah, all at once. Yeah, I think for us, all the transitions were stacked together. Yeah. Um, and that just made it so much more complicated. And I would hate to like be discouraging to someone who is finished school somewhere, maybe in their home state like us. We are from Florida, went to college in Florida, and then moved for grad school. So summer... After graduating undergrad, we both moved home to our homes in South Florida, and then we're there for three months during the summer, and then in August, moved to New York City. One-way yep. ticket, suitcases, never seeing our apartment before, walking into a 300-square-foot you know, student-living apartment um, owned by the school. So it was, it was like so many transitions all at once. Yeah. It's like four different Tell transitions us, like, at the same time. specifics about what you did this summer after graduating undergrad i worked for a moving company yeah and i which was one man not a i wouldn't say it it was me and and another guy yeah (laughs) and that was really rough i mean i almost fell and injured myself like six times yeah um so it was like very like a lot of like manual labor. Um, is that what you would recommend to someone? Like, what would you recommend someone do the summer after graduating undergrad? That's I. That's such a tough question. I don't know. I mean, you know, what I would personally what I would recommend is spend time figuring out what the next step is going to be. Like, what I really wish I would have done is reached out to someone who had been in med school and and asked them what am i like what should i expect what should i be prepared for just so that when it hits you you're not quite as surprised yeah um i probably would have tried to reach out to people in my class and try to form friendships it's hard online um because like uh, you know people are off doing their own things and you know, it's not easy to like message someone on Facebook and be like, hey, can we be friends? We're both going to the same yeah. med school. Um, but, but I but think that's trying. a big misconception that people have is like, oh, I'm going to be weird if I like message someone to yeah. like hang out. Like so you, if you see someone's on your like med school class of 2026 uh, Facebook page, yeah. uh, like the matriculating students 
and you reach out to someone that looks like norm like looks like you or you know i don't know someone you want to be someone friendly. Looks friendly someone looks friendly i yeah. don't know someone oh hey you have something in common they yeah. liked a facebook page that you liked or whatever for whatever reason you pick them or they're from the same state like they're probably thinking the same thing right like oh i wish i could just like make a friend or like i wish someone would reach out to me yeah. or they're feeling you know insecure about it too like one time I posted this TikTok that went viral that was like lonely in NYC looking for friends, blah, blah, blah. Literally thousands of girls commented on that TikTok being like, oh my gosh, I live here. I'm looking for friends. Like I'm new yeah. here too. I'm so lonely. Like you don't realize how lonely people are until you like say something about it. And everyone's like, oh my God, me too. So um, I think that is a good recommendation. Like yeah. try to meet someone that you know is going to be in the same class or living in the same area yeah. or working at the same place. Just try to figure out the variables that like you can so that mm -hmm. when you get there, there's less that's confusing. You yeah. know, if you know the area you're going to move to, like look into it, see what there is nearby, plan your route to a grocery store, plan, mm -hmm. you know, I love that. fun stuff to do or a restaurant you want to try. Yeah. Um, just so that when you get there, you don't like have to figure that stuff out at the same time as school starting. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say like, Use your summer to figure out what's going to go next. Tell us about the financial aspect of going from undergrad to grad school, because obviously you're not starting a job. You're not getting paid. Yeah. How does that work out with student loans? What support do you need? Yeah. Shed a little light on that, because I think a lot of people are looking for that information. Yeah. Med school is weird because you, you know, you feel like a professional you know, you're, you're kind of starting like a graduate professional school, mm -hmm. but and you're you, well educated too. Yeah. And it's difficult to get in and, and for everyone who gets in like props to you, it's, it's a very difficult thing and you have to put autonomy and your ability to make money to the side for a long time. And, um, I think a lot of people roll their eyes and say, oh, well, you're going to be a doctor. Like you'll have an income eventually. Like, you know, what's the big deal? But you, you don't have autonomy with money for a long time. You're, you're relying on loans. And, you know, for, for some people out there, like kids our age that are doing engineering or business or whatever, you know, they can start working and pick up a couple extra hours if they need some more money. You know, whereas in med school, you get like kind of a, a, a set of loans and that's it. So I would, I would recommend to people, you know, if there are any uh, scholarships or anything like extra that you can look into, I would try yeah. to look into that. If, you know, you look at the financial aid package and you think, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is enough or I think I might need a little bit more or, you know, you're trying to live somewhere, especially like in New York City that's off campus, your rent's going to be higher than if you were to live on campus. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something to talk to financial aid about, you know, because mm -hmm. you don't want to be struggling to have enough money to, you know, survive while you're also trying to survive med school. Yeah. But it's definitely weird. It's very weird to see, you know, kids, you know, so again, let me take a step back. This is the perspective of, you know, we went to college and, you know, we're assuming that someone listening, you know, you've gone to college and then you start your career after, you know, I know a lot of people go through high school or whatever, and they start working a little bit earlier. So for me, this was the first time I had seen anyone around me make money. Um, and it was weird to be the same age as someone and they had autonomy and I didn't. And, and, and that is a, that is a frustration that, you know, I carry through a lot of medical school, you know, where's my autonomy? Like, why can't I make my own decisions? Where, how come I can't, you know, if I want a little bit of extra money to, to take you out to dinner or, or to, to get us a gift or, or something, you know, I can't just work extra hours and get that. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, something like perspective wise that yeah. people really have to get used to. Like some, some people who went back and worked a little bit before going to medical school, they might have that upper hand where they were able to put some money away right. before going back to medical school. And I think it really needs to be said that our financial struggles has been our biggest issue in our early 20s. Um, and medical school we have had to fight financial aid every single semester to yeah. get the money that we need to survive uh, 
pay rent because you know they're not even giving enough to pay rent so we have to continue to appeal and argue yeah you have to be so on top of it for sure. it's really challenging i mean like when i was an undergrad i felt like the loans that i got the student loans that i got were like too much like they almost were like really free with like not free they were heavy-handed with how much money they gave but now it's like i feel like I don't know. It's so challenging. Why, like, why, are, like you're like, going to have to pay it back eventually. Like, why are they so... I, I feel like anyone who's had to um, work with financial aid at any school, there's always, like, some difficulty with it. Um, you know, whether it's, like, late or it's not enough or, or whatever. And, and in the back of your head, you know that the more money you take out, the more you have to give back. And I think that's definitely something that our generation recognizes that... You have to take out loans to get an education a lot of times to get, you know, jobs that you want to pursue the career that you want. Um, you know, so I would I would just say, you know, get familiar with your financial aid. Start talking to your financial aid office early. If you're someone who comes from, you know, like a low socioeconomic background, there's lots of scholarships available for for different students. Reach out and find them because yeah. they have them available. I was just going to say, like, I understand the privilege of going to medical school because if you didn't have your parents' support to like yeah. be able to pay rent when before loans had come in or in between after you run out of loans right. or help with groceries, help with a few things here and there each month, we literally, we wouldn't be able to like yeah. do it. And so for people that don't have that, I see how this like contributes to just successful people like yeah. having kids that also become successful yeah. people and lower socioeconomic yeah. people can't get there because it's like it, it's just it's there's a lot of disadvantage yeah. in the system and uh, just to apply to medical school how much money did you spend on application so much money. Yeah. over a thousand dollars and i think they're starting to do more to help people from low socioeconomic backgrounds uh, cut costs when it comes to applying and get scholarships for attending. I, I want them obviously to do more and I'm hoping that as time goes on medical schools do more and if you come from that background, you know, push for it and talk to these schools yeah. and, and fight for these scholarships. I mean, I, we can't leave this topic of financial um, aid in medical school because you are a part of the first class of medical students to receive full paid tuition yeah. at NYU. Yeah. So that's huge. And so many, I mean, we recognize the privilege of that Absolutely. every day yeah. and we're so grateful for that. But even, you know, we have that covered the tuition, but the living costs yeah. of living in New York city, we have to, you're going to have it's still going to be debt. a lot of money in yeah. debt, student loan debt, because of how much it costs to live here as a student. And so those are things that, you know, people don't realize as well is that there's the money you have to take out to pay for the tuition in a, in a typical school. And then on top of that, there's money that you have to receive to pay bills right. and go to the grocery store and keep yourself alive. <laughs> so it's just insane. I think it unfortunately keeps a lot of people from wanting to go into medicine because now with inflation, everything is just ridiculously yeah. expensive. It's so, definitely a big barrier for a lot of people. I mean, we kind of veered off topic there, but um, those were some good points, I think, yeah. that you had. And you were coming from nursing school. So when you graduated from undergrad, you know, it was like time to start your career and start looking for a job. What, yeah. what was that like when you graduated undergrad and then it was like, all right, time to start looking for work? Oh, my gosh. It was really rough because they don't really teach you that much in nursing school about how to apply for jobs. Uh, I think the goal of a lot of nursing schools is actually to retain students to work at the hospital that they're affiliated with, which was definitely the sense that I got um, going to school, nursing school at University of Florida with Shan's Hospital there, um, which is an amazing hospital. And I would have been lucky, you know, I would have been really blessed to stay there, but we were moving to New York, right? So uh, after I, when I graduated, this is a question I got, get a lot um, actually about my RN license. So I graduated and I took the RN, uh, the NCLEX exam in Florida, but my license, I applied for my license in the state of New York because I knew we were, we were gonna, our plan was to move there. 
since we were only going to be home for three months, it didn't make sense for me to get my RN license in Florida right. uh, if I wasn't going to you know, work there. So that is how I did it. Um, I passed the uh, NCLEX and then I was able to get my license in the state of New York. So for that summer, I kind of did some odd jobs. I worked as like a private health home aide um, for a home health aide uh, for for a family in South Florida, which was good part time work. And then we just had like a great time. We like worked out a bunch, and yeah, that was fun. It was very um, relaxing. Like we, you know, had some difficulties as well because we we had different ideas about when we wanted to get engaged. And we can probably go into that in another episode. Yeah. Um, but we were kind of working through that and differences in expectations about moving in together and getting married and what that timeline looked like. Right. Basically, like I really wanted to quickly and Quinn um, wanted to push it a little bit further. Uh, so when we moved to New York, I kind of had one place in mind that I wanted to work at. And I was really focused on that. And because of our connection with uh, Quinn going to school, I was able to get a job. But it took me like three months. The hiring process for hospitals here is like really, I mean, I experienced, I thought it was long and drawn out because they all have start dates for hot new hires. And that's like, okay things that they don't tell you in nursing school, right? So they'll have like certain start dates. So they'll have a cohort of new hire nurses that will like all start on October 14th, which was my start date. Like I was hired in early September, but I didn't start until, or uh, was I hired in August? No, it was like mid-September, I think. Yeah, I remember being pretty close to the your start time. But yeah, so okay, so it was it was still a few weeks from yeah, my start date. But there was still a long break in between us moving and you yeah. knowing that you had a job. Yeah, like I got I got um, an interview, and then a few days later, you know, they had the job offer, and then completing all the requirements to get a job in nursing, you have to have all of your licenses, your accreditations, um, obviously your BLS, if you need to have your ACLS too, all of your vaccination paperwork, you need a physical, like so many different things. So they don't actually, you're not actually hired until all of that paperwork goes through and is processed, you know, your background check, et cetera. Um, And so then I work, you know, I started working and there is like three weeks until you get your first paycheck. So yeah. it's just like the money kept getting pushed further right, and further right. out. And so it turned out being like three months before, three months of living there before I started getting paid. Yeah. Which I was living off like like grad, grad graduation gifts, like graduation money yeah. and then support from my mom. And that was just so hard. That put so much strain on our relationship because New York city is so freaking expensive. Um, and I had nothing to do while I was waiting for this job and I love to shop and like, I love to do all these things and I couldn't cause I didn't have any money. It was just like, uh, it was like kind of, it was a really weird time. I was extremely lonely. The post-grad, like that was the first year where I wasn't going back to school. I was starting a job and I graduated a year early from college, so all my other friends were going into their senior year, actually, and I had graduated and I was right. starting work. So my friends were still enjoying their last, you know, their senior year at UF, and I had graduated and was starting work and was concerned about paying rent and, like, you know, paying bills and paying taxes and, like, all these adult things, and, like, now we're living together for the first time right. as a couple and working through our struggles living together for the first time in a tiny apartment. Yeah. Um, well, I, and think, I think people don't like realize this, but in college, you're kind of like surrounded by your friends all the time, especially if you live with people that you're friends with. You know, I live with two of my best friends and I would wake up and you'd be like, you're hanging out with your buddies yeah, the second you wake friends. up every day. I know. And then post-grad you graduate and then it's almost like everyone's gone. Yeah. And that's a very isolating feeling for a lot yeah. of people. And especially when you move somewhere new, it's like you have to start all over. Yeah. And when you're waiting on a job or you're waiting for school to start, where are you going to meet people? Yeah. You know? I think I would have 
like a part of me is really I don't know I'm a weird extrovert introvert mix like I like meeting people but it also requires a lot of energy yeah but I need social like I need friends to like survive like to make my life happy right you know like it's weird um and looking back I probably would have just put myself out there more and tried like to make an effort meeting people like I know there's bumble friends like there's Facebook groups for certain areas like just for girls or guys or whatever you're you know you're looking for um and I probably would have tried that instead of being like so oh no like it's not gonna work like just telling myself like it's a waste of time because I was so lonely yeah and very lost at that point and then I was excited about my job but nursing is really hard too so I had really mixed feelings about it and the position that I was hired for I started as a med surge RN acute care and um it was going to be night shift. So my orientation for 10 weeks was on days and then I was going right. to go to night shift. So, and, um, you know, med surge is not an easy, it's not an easy thing to orient on. No, and no floor is, but it is particularly challenging with the number of patients and how acute they can be. Right. Um, so it was, it was really challenging. Um, yeah. I think, I would have, if I could have gone back, I would have broadened how many different jobs I applied for. I think I was very set on doing it a certain way and applying to like one hospital because I only wanted to work there. And I probably would have applied like many different places. I would have used Indeed. Hospitals usually hire from their website. Um, They'll have like job listings on their website. And for new grads, you will apply uh, if it's a large magnet hospital, which means like a, a nurse certified, like a, a certified hospital that has like met all of important nursing criteria that says like the nursing staff is like well-trained and accredited and all that stuff. If you're working at a large university hospital system and they have a new grad residency, which is what I did, they'll have like a special thing for you to apply on their website for that. But in terms of other jobs, uh, you can always go on Indeed which is how I found my two other outpatient jobs, um, which I didn't do at the time. I was just so set on that. And sometimes the hospitals can take a long time to get back to you, uh, depending on where you are. The city, there's a really, um, like they're very particular about who they hire, these big hospitals in the city, because they have so many applicants. It's just like inundated here. Right. Uh, and I feel like for nurses, if you want to touch on this a little bit, there's a lot of pressure on nurses to only really apply for really high acuity or high stress environments to kind of prove like, okay, I'm, I'm an expert. I know what I'm doing. Working yeah. in med surge, working in ICU. And I feel like you felt a lot of that pressure when you were yeah. applying for jobs. I mean, like I didn't even think that there were other options because right. I don't really focus on that in school. Like, I know I didn't want to work in a SAR, a subacute rehab, um, but I just chose med surge because that was honestly what I was most comfortable with with right. my clinical experience coming from school. And I thought because of our transition here in the city, like, that would make most sense to stick with something that I felt most comfortable in. Yeah. Um, but I think things... So they just don't tell you that in nursing school. Like, you're going to have to work night shift you're gonna have to take really tough patients right and other nurses may not be so nice and forgiving so there's a few things yeah there's a very steep learning curve especially working in a different hospital system that i was trained in i think if i started working at shans where i had trained in the transition would have been so much easier um here when we moved to new york and i was working in a hospital like the phone system was different. The way that they scanned medications was different. Like they used Epic, but uh, we had like a way of scanning the pumps and the medications. And I that was all new to me. So they were all like, how do you not know how to do this? And I was like, I don't know. I've never seen this before. <laughs> we didn't have this at my old, ho- at my, at my old hospital. Yeah. Um, so it was just like a lot of changes in infrastructure and in policy. So I think for nurses, um, new nurses, I know that's not an option for everyone, but I think I do recommend like staying at the hospital that you were trained at. Just if you want that easier transition, yeah. obviously everyone doesn't, no one like has to do that. But I think that's just a good piece of advice is that the transition might be easier if you stay at the hospital that you were trained at Yeah, for sure. So what do you think is like one of the biggest things that you learned during that transition? 
Yeah, um, I think I just would have learned or I would have trusted myself a little bit more, yeah. like trusted my intuition and like not been so concerned with what everyone else was doing and like keeping up with everyone else. Um, I think I stayed at my first job just to admit, like just to hit a year, but I suffered there for a really long time. And I think I probably would have left earlier and just if I had known that it was all going to work out yeah, and that there were going to be other opportunities for me that other employers that didn't really necessarily care about me staying at my first job for right. a year. But I was so obsessed with that that I put myself through so much um, to make it work and yeah. to stay there for a year and to keep working night shift when I knew that it was making me miserable and it was making my life miserable. Um I always talk about this, but before leaving my job, I had like mental health issues, like acute mental health concerns, like in terms of like having panic attacks, like on my nights off and like just not sleeping well and it causing like a whole range of emotions. Yeah. And I didn't talk to anyone about that. And I probably would have talked to someone about that and gotten like mental health help or like seen a doctor before leaving. Yeah. Because I think there's other options than just quitting. Um, I could have taken, in retrospect, I could have probably taken a leave of absence um, if I had spoken to a doctor or a mental health professional and they could have written me a letter saying that I needed to take like two weeks off or a month off. Um, Large hospitals have policies that allow for leave of absences under certain criteria. So I would look into that policy if you're considering leaving the the bedside or you're having an acute mental crisis or something is going on that you need to take time off, but, you know, can't take the vacation time or whatever the situation is, I would look into that. And then um, I would also just know that there are other opportunities out there. Like working at the bedside is not the end all be all. Yeah. But a lot of people are so obsessed with it. And it's like, that's great. If that's what you want to do, that's awesome. But if it's killing you, like, there are other things. Yeah. So I, I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned. How about you? What's the biggest lesson you've learned? I think, which is funny because I was thinking of this before, but, you know, you talking about seeking help, get help. And I know that's, it's like a scary thing to, to like, say that, you know, you should get help. But you don't have to do any of this alone. And I really think that you graduate and you're like, I'm an adult now. I have to figure all this stuff out myself. And you don't, you know, if you're a med student or, you know, you're about to start your first year, you have no clue what's going on. Reach out to somebody, you know, you're not going to bother anyone. You know, I always tell people that reach out to me and like half the emails I get where people reach out to me because I do a lot of admissions stuff and I talk to pers- you know prospective students or students who just got in and they always start off by apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry to bother you, but it's like, you're not, you're, you're never bothering me. Like, please reach out to me whenever I'll answer you. You know, it's just an email, you know, no matter how busy I get, I can answer your email and help. And I want to, because it's, it's such a crazy process. I don't want other people to go through it alone. Like I did. Um, so I would say, ask for help, you know, someone on admissions or another medical student, look things up online, try to find friends, anything. And also, you know, you you use the term like acute mental crisis. And I think like, you know, people, I definitely had a weird definition of what that meant. In my opinion, it meant like complete breakdown, like you can't function, you're bedridden, you know, like that's what it looked like to me. And anything short of that wasn't worth yeah. reaching out for mm-hmm. help. If you're just overwhelmed by stress, it's affecting your sleep, you find yourself irritable, you find yourself, you know, anxious about things, reach out for help. I mean, I know it was the best thing that the two of us did. Just telling yeah. someone. I went to therapy for a year. I went to therapy and I remember having that one of the, you know, one of my therapists tell me, why didn't you, you know, talk to someone sooner? Yeah. You're and still, I, you're still going to therapy. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why didn't I talk to someone sooner? And I, you know, it's, it's been taboo in the past, but I, I feel like the world is moving to a point where we realize that mental health is really important. And, you know, when you go in med school and you go through your psych rotations, mental health is a very real thing. And you should never be ashamed of it, you know, yeah. so, so never feel ashamed to reach out for help. You know, if you're emailing me, I guess I can't speak for other people, but never be apologetic about reaching out for help because 
I mean, that's what I'm here for. That's what I like to be there for. And that's what, you know, older doctors should be there for. And I think in another episode, we can talk about your mental health, you know, journey through medical school. And we can touch on that, you know, when you're ready to talk about that. Um, So what would be your biggest piece of advice, but like not just for medical school or graduate school, but for like anyone age 20 to 25, I feel like just that age range, like what would be your like advice that you would give them in that time period, like, like, you know, college and then figuring out after. Yeah. I would just encourage people to be easier on themselves. We hold ourselves to such crazy high standards and we graduate and we expect ourselves to do the world. We, 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 like, I'm going to do everything perfectly. I'm going to know how to do everything. I don't, I remember I, I switched my health plan once and I had no idea what I was doing. Switching health insurance, I'd never done that before. And I was on the phone with someone uh, for health insurance and they were like just kind of chewing me out. Why didn't you do this or do that? And I I interrupted her and I said, ma'am, I'm 23. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And and she was like, oh, okay, yeah. And she, she walked me through it. Like, you're young, you know? I know. There's no right way to do anything. And, you know, I see so many people you know talking about med school again they have other careers and they come back and they feel weird about it. I don't want to tell everyone that I'm older or that I had another mm-hmm. career path or I don't want to tell anyone that I did a gap year everyone's path is different and no matter what you're going through someone has gone through something similar um, so you know just go easy on yourself that's yeah. just my recommendation for everybody yeah. just just be easier on yourself I think I would say that from 20 to 25 you are at such a pivotal time in your life to truly pursue crazy shit that you're passionate about. Yeah. Like, there's going to be no other time. Like, obviously, you can go back to school whenever. You can change careers whenever. But I'm saying that once you start getting what we call golden shackles, which is like being chained to like a mortgage payment and having kids and owning a dog and like all these things that come with life and growing up um your flexibility to make those crazy decisions to change careers they change right because now you have obligations you have to put food on the table you have to put a roof over your family's head you have to make sure you have money for x y and z you truly from age 20 to 25 have very low commitment so most people do i'm not speaking for everyone but most people have very low, you know, levels of long-term commitment right. at that age. And you can make the most high-risk endeavors. If you want to be a full-time influencer, if you want to be a full-time YouTuber, if you want to become an expert at painting or literally anything um, that you're passionate about, like this is your time to really explore that and to see if you can actually earn money for that. And like, do that thing that you love to do this is your time to like make those crazy decisions yeah or to change careers if you hate the degree that you got in undergrad and you're like man i don't know what to do now i definitely don't want to do marketing or i definitely don't want to go into medicine or nursing right um change do something different like i know that you know sounds weird to say but now is the time to pursue what you're passionate about before you find yourself 20 years from now working a nine to five that you absolutely hate yeah. and just clocking in and clocking out. Um, like this is, this is your time to do it. This yeah. is your time. Like take that ridiculous class, you know, take that one credit hour that just is like about random stuff that Har- has nothing to do with your degree. Harvard offers free online classes to take, to learn how to code. Yeah, like exactly. You know, so there's there's resources out there. Yeah, and I would say like just I like I echo with what you said like don't be so hard on yourself and you know just it'll all fall into place. Yeah, like there's no rush. I think we are different because we moved on to school and work really quickly after graduating, and we got married really young, um, which comes up a ton. But there is no rush, and like I. I'm always surprised now, like people in their 30s and 40s are looking and acting a lot younger, I think, than they used to. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm not as terrified as I used to be to be 30, 40, 50. Yeah. Because age is a mindset. Right. And maturity is a mindset, and being old is a mindset. Mm. And I've met some people that are 
still so young and so vibrant um, at those ages and I'm just not worried about it anymore that I know like if I am, have a desire to keep my myself healthy and protect my longevity and like keep my mind active and keep learning from younger generations that I'm not going to just like become old and irrelevant. Right. So like there's no reason to like figure it out so early. Right. And like your path is going to be a lot of highs and lows. And to follow that, I would really advise people from 20 age 20 to 25 to look into awareness, like look into self-inquiry and consciousness in those topics. Um, a few suggestions, Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. Um, who else is great in that field? Eckhart Tolle. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know how to say his name. He's great too. He's a bunch of stuff on YouTube about consciousness and awareness and about the narrative that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And from 20 to 25, the narrative that you tell yourself is going to change the rest of your life and it can either bring you a lot of success or it can bring you you know a lot of tragedy and pain and suffering so um be conscious of that be conscious of the people that you're hanging out with you know i really do agree that you are the average of your five best friends Mm. the five closest people in your life you're the average of them so do you want to be with high performers and high achievers or do you want to be with people that you know don't really have aren't driven or don't really have goals, don't really have the same aspirations or values that you have Hmm. and figure what your values are out. Figure what you, what you want your legacy to be, what people, what you want people to think of when they think about you. I don't know. I I, that's, I feel like that's pretty good advice. Yeah. That's a lot of good advice. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, so I have a lot to say, sorry. But the last thing I want to say is get around older, successful people that you look up to and ask them how they did it. Yeah. How did you get successful? What was the mindset? What was the shift like? What key decision did you make that made you from just living this average life to like living an exceptional life? Like inventing, like being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, like what was that change in mindset for you? And I'm fortunate now to work in a doctor's office where I take care of a lot of successful people um, and I'm constantly picking their brain. I'm constantly asking them questions. How did you get this role? You know, what did you do? What was the key decision that you made that, that propelled your life in this direction? Cause I just want to know those things so badly. Right. Like I know that I wasn't meant to live like an average life. Like I know that I'm going to do something great and help people. And I want to do that. So I need to learn from older people that have been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah, and the shift in your early 20s to keep going, I think the biggest shift for me has been financially thinking about what I want right now, what is gonna make me happy right now versus what is going to make me happy in a year from now or five years from now. Right. You really do start to shift your thinking in that respect. I used to just spend all my money on clothes and makeup and like literally just whatever random thing impulsively like popped into my head. And now I've done like a complete 180 change on that and just have like really transformed the way that I think about money and the power that it has. Um, So plug, quick plug, uh, YNAB, You Need a Budget is a great app. If you are a mess with your money and you have never found a budgeting system that works for you, check out YNAB. This is not sponsored. I've just been become obsessed with it and it's really just helped me so much. Yeah, that's what I would, yeah. that's the advice that I would give. There right. it is. That's my there, two cents. The one piece of advice, the one piece of that advice. contains 15 different parts. Listen, that's good. No, listen. it's all great advice. I thought people would like that. Of course. That's why we're doing this. All right. So we have to end the podcast with no you boo no you boo so last we episode we need to make up for last we, episode we wrote down questions. two questions each yes. so we're not thinking of them on the fly but i can't say we're gonna know them better so right, you go first okay this one is like a like a softball like this is pretty <laughs> what was the what was the movie we watched together on our first date oh that's so easy yeah inception yes with leonardo dicaprio right Wait. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Like, Very oh, good. Shoot. Heather asked questions throughout that entire movie. It was so confusing. It is. It's very confusing. Yeah. That was our first date. 
when I was a junior and you were a senior in high school. Yep. And you came over to my house and we watched that movie together in my living room. See, you just said it was our first date. So that, that was, which okay. I, which see what I've been saying that for years. I disagree, years. but a date is when you but take now I have someone it out recorded. to dinner or a movie. That's a date. That was a movie though. Anyway. Okay, but we didn't, we went, you went what's to your, my house. What's your that was question? a hangout. Okay. My first question is, what are my favorite flowers? Bonus points if you guess the correct color. White roses. Ding, ding, ding. Which I bought you for your birthday. Yes. So that was kind of a softball too, because I knew that you like. Okay, this is. Uh, this is like maybe, so boring. Maybe this isn't a great question. How much caffeine do I drink every day? Six hundred milligrams. No, not six hundred. Really? Yeah. Hundred. Your morning is in like, between. I drink like what? four or five hundred a day. How? Uh, you drink pre-workout. Pre-workout is two hundred, and then I have some sort of energy drink or something later in the day that's also two hundred. Do you have an energy drink every day? Uh, no, I have some caffeine that's like 200 milligrams twice a day, yeah. every day. I probably have like, which is not, I probably have like healthy. 400 to 600, Yeah, which I think is like the upper limit. The, yeah, like I think it's like the upper limit. Yeah. yeah. I don't even th- count. Like, I don't even think about it. I have like a coffee in the morning after my protein shake. And then I have either pre-workout before the gym after work around like 430 or I'll have like an afternoon coffee if I don't yeah. go to the gym around three. Right. So we are perpetually addicted to caffeine. It's just so sure. good. I know. I'm just like never going to give up coffee. Yeah. I won't do it. Um, what is my, oh, this is kind of a deep question. Okay. What is my biggest fear as an Enneagram one, which is the reformer or the perfectionist? Hmm. To not be loved. Mm. Or to be out of control. It has to do with people's perception of me. Think about the hmm. reformer. Like, what's the goal of the reformer? Uh, of course. Let me think about the uh, the goal of the reformer. You should know this um, about me. I, uh, like, I know your enneagram. I, I know your enneagram. But Quinn's I, I, a two, a giver, by the way. Um, two wing three. To have people have a negative perception of you, maybe. Yes. Well, close. Okay. okay. So it's for people to think that I am immoral. Or not mm, good, okay. Because the like the core desire is for like people to see you as good, okay. Yeah, so it's like really hard. Yeah. All right. Me. Or very, perception very stuff. Deep. Just like I don't like when no, people. You boo. Yeah. That mindset are really shallow. I'm like, how much coffee do I drink a day? <laughs> and you're like, what's my deepest fear? <laughs> okay. Well, that shows you where our heads are. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this super long episode. We will see you guys next time. Also, please, if you have the time, you think if you think that we deserve it, write us a review. We'd love to see it. We, we it means so much to us. Yeah. Give us a rating. Be um, kind. We're yeah. fragile. <laughs> We're fragile. <laughs> We're trying. Uh, yeah. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye.